for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market, laissez-faire, capitalist society allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. It is your favorite afternoon program all over the country here, radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. However you watch or listen to us, we appreciate you. Multiple radio stations, TV, live streaming, and the podcast broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas. Welcome into the program. This is the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier. As always... Big show lined up for you today. I have three days of content to cram into one day because the next two days I will actually be off on a vacation. Not sure what that quite is. I don't know really what to do during my days off or my vacation because I don't usually take vacation days off. So I'm not quite sure what to in, what to expect or what to do with myself. I'm going to be fidgeting after like the first couple hours of tomorrow morning. Because I just don't do it. I've never taken... I I have to admit, working in radio, it is a crazy industry to work in just in general to try and take times off. And especially with all the duties that I perform uh, with my work and with the radio show and with everything that I do, it takes double the work, triple the work to try and lead up to a time off. And then I still have to do double the time work just to try and catch up when I get back at the end of it. So sometimes it's not even worth it. However, as you know, and I've been saying this, that uh, Mrs. Voice of Reason and I celebrating our 10-year anniversary, so we'll be off and about trying to have a couple of days off. We'll be back at it on Tuesday next week after the Labor Day celebration. So we have to cram a lot of content into the program today, which we will try and do the best that we possibly can and looking forward to that. On the programming note for you, we will not have a live video stream for the next few days, obviously. We will have a best of program run on Friday and on Monday next week. Tomorrow, however, for the Thursday, I wanted to do something different because I really didn't want to run three days of a best of program or pre-tape a bunch of stuff like that. So none other than the man himself, Mark Walters, host of Armed American Radio, nationally syndicated radio host, and I fill in for his program often. I jump on his show often as a guest. He will be guest hosting the show tomorrow for the voice of reason on our national broadcast so excited about that looking forward to it and he'll be jumping in the seat tomorrow to take the reins to talk about some issues and then we will have a best of show for friday and on monday for our labor day celebration so i'll be excited about that i am really happy that mark wanted to jump on i called him up and i said hey said is there any interest do you want to do it And he said heck yes and he's still recovering from the surgery that he had so you can listen to his voice tomorrow on the program and i'm excited i may tune in just to listen and monitor for it as well and really excited for that one on a personal note as well real quickly if you remember a couple of days ago i kind of went off on my tirade about the cell phone planes and how they're all just scams my mrs voice of reason and i we've been having trouble with our cell phones and i thought it was because that we finally paid off our cell phones because apparently now you're not allowed to just pay the cell phone in full and just have a paid-for cell phone. No, no, you have to have the plan. And in order for you to get your discount for your bill and for your actual service, you have to set it up to do the monthly payments for, like, the two-year plan. 
And then conveniently, when the two-year plan runs out and you start paying on your, you paid off your cell phone, then the weird issues start happening. And I've been very frustrated because I can't make a phone call without sometimes them not being able to hear me or me not being able to hear them. And we have to like reconnect four or five different times. And it's been frustrating. And I blame the system that we've created here because while it is a capitalist system, at the same time, they have forgotten about the ser- the service for the consumer. And I've just taken advantage of us because now we have to have it in order to survive in society, apparently. I really wish. I, I really wish. Again, I was born in the wrong time era, man. I really wish it was back in the days where we didn't have to have technology. It was survival of the fittest out in the woods and whether you were able to make it or not. Nowadays, you have to have it just in order to function in society, apparently. So we've been frustrated. Well, Mrs. Voice of Reason went to the cell phone store. And she took a snapshot of this picture, which you're not supposed to have it, but I don't really care. And I'm going to read it on the radio for you. You want to know how much they jip you? First off, I realize it's not just the cell phones being paid off, although that's I'm sure that's part of it. But I have yet to upgrade to the 5G. And I am hesitant to upgrade to the 5G. I don't want 5 I take that back. I'm not hesitant. I blatantly don't want 5G service. I just don't. I don't want the new technology crap. I don't want the cancer. I don't want that radiation garbage. I just don't. Call me the conspiracy theorist. But call me the tinfoil hat wearing guy. I don't care. I don't want 5G service. So I'm trying to hang on as long as I can with my cell phone before we finally get forced to upgrade to this crap that they call the 5G. However, they have not just 5C, 5G service. They have the tiered service plans. Because apparently the guy at the store told my wife when she talked about the phones and why they keep cutting out is not because of the lack of service, but because the towers that we share were on the basic cell phone plans. You have to go from just the basic start unlimited talk, text, and data to now the ultra wideband or the unlimited premium network or the premium network. So you have to upgrade your service to where you're a priority on the cell phone tower. Because if you're not a priority on the cell phone tower and you have the basic service, if the cell phone tower is being bogged down with a whole bunch of people using it, then apparently your service gets sketchy. I got to admit, I've never heard of this before. I did not know anything about this. This is news to me of how they con you. Now, look, if I'm paying $200 a month for a damn cell phone plan, if I pick up my phone and make a call, I want my freaking phone call to go through. But apparently, you have to pay the premium to make sure that you're at the top of the priority list to allow the cell phone tower to accept your call and not put you down at the bottom to make sure that, well, you know, as long as no one else is using it, then you're allowed to use it. What kind of crap is that, man? This is not like uh, an amusement park where you have the fast lane if you're a single individual and you go through the fast lane to cut in front of everybody else. That's not what a cell phone plan is supposed to be like. Your cell phone plan is you pay for the service. That means when you pick up the phone, you have the signal, you have the service, you make the damn call and it doesn't get interrupted, period, end of story. I did not know that we now have fast track service plans to make sure you're a priority on the cell phone tower. That is crap. The other issue is, of course, the 5G thing. But they have the just the basics. And I'm not talking about like the additional, like the hotspots or the additional features to it. I'm talking just basic service to be able to make a phone call. They have the basic, they have the premium network, they have the premium access, and then the unlimited premium network access. Four different plans for your cell phone to make sure that you are on the priority list. 
for the cell phone tower to pick up your cell phone call. That is the largest bunch of, as Joe Biden would say, malarkey I've ever heard of in my entire life. That is my complaint for the day. That is my angry session of the day. That is stupid. Stupid. Just, it's a con system. Absolute con system for the system to be able to make more money, knowing that you have to survive with a cell phone. So let's put the tiered system in to where the low bottom ones that just want to pay the minimum for a cell phone plan, uh, well, maybe you can make a phone call if no one else is actually using the service. Bunch of crap, man. All right. There's a lot to get to you on the political front. Bottom of the hour, we have Richard Lyons. We've had him on the program before. <laughs> I know. I'm getting everybody worked up. I'm seeing some comments come in. I'm sorry. That was my frustration of the day. I feel better now. I can get back into my Zen mode. I'm almost on vacation. In a couple hours, I'll finally be on vacation so I can get into vacation mode. I had to get it out of my system. There we go. Bottom of the hour, Richard Lyons. He is the author of the book, The uh, DNA of Democracy. We've had him on before. Well, now his volume two of the series and continuation of the book, Shadows of uh, uh, Shadows of the Acropolis. He'll be joining us at the bottom of the hour. I have a copy of the book here, and we'll talk about uh, representation in our government. Are we seeing proper representation in our government, in our current government system? As a republic that we are, a constitutional republic, we set up about the best system we possibly could to have a representative government. But are we seeing that with the way things are running right now? I would say no. I would also go on to say we're also not seeing the best representation in our cell phone plans. Just throwing that out there. All right. I'm, <laughs> I promise I'm done. Let's get into what's trending in the day. What's trending today? So the big headline, I guess we have to talk about it. I've been ignoring it because it's stupid. And I will say this, just like the January 6th committee where they've tried to demonize Donald Trump to make sure he doesn't run for office again, the FBI investigation of Mar-a-Lago and the classified documents is exactly up at the same level of stupid and corruption and desperation to make sure Donald Trump does not reach office. That's all this is, which is why I have not wanted to talk about this issue. And it's getting worse. If you have any cognitive thinking ability on your own, you would see all the red flags coming up on this story as they continue to release more, trying to justify what they did with raiding his house. And the more they release, the dumber they look. Just throwing that out there. According to the Associated Press, which you can see how far left-wing they are, here's what the headline says. The Justice Department says classified documents were, quote, likely concealed and removed from a storage room at former President Donald Trump's Florida estate as part of an effort to obstruct federal investigators into the discovery of the government records. The FBI also seized boxes that contained holdings of more than 100 classified records during its August 8th search of Mar-a-Lago and found classified documents stashed in Trump's office, according to the filing that happened late yesterday on Tuesday that lays out the most detailed chronolo- uh, chronology to date of the months strained intensive interactions between the Justice Department and the Trump representatives of government secrets. All right, that's all you have to read to understand this. Let me read this again. They found 100 classified records during the August uh, August 8th search, and they've released photos of some of those that were scattered all over the room floor, which is, by the way, completely absurd, because why would you just scatter those all over the place and then take a photo of it? If they're classified documents that are detrimental to the safety of the United States, then why are they releasing the photos to prove that Donald Trump had classified documents? I find that interesting, don't you? Now, we wanted proof that there was classified information, but we don't know whether it's classified because Donald Trump said he declassified those, which as president, he has the ability to just declassify. So all the documents that they found that were quote-unquote classified were declassified by the president that they just don't want to admit were declassified. 
That's point number one. Point number two, if it was classified because it's detrimental for the safety of America, why are they taking photos of it and releasing it to the public? Yes, we want proof that we want classified information, but why would you release those pictures of classified information? If you're releasing it to the public, then obviously it doesn't have a lot of national security issues for it to not be seen to the American public, in which case, why is it a big deal if Donald Trump has them? The third point that I want to make here is the first headline of this where the Justice Department says classified documents were, quote, likely concealed and removed from a storage room at former President Donald Trump's Florida estate. Let me get this straight. So they say, allegedly, there were classified documents. If they were classified documents, they say they released them to the public here, which is really insane. And then they go on to say that classified documents were, quote, likely concealed and removed from the storage room. How do they know that classified documents were concealed there and then removed from there in his effort to obstruct a federal investigation? How do they know that they were, he's obstructing it by concealing it and removing it? If they're not there, how do they know they were there in the first place? Is this one of those things where the lack of the evidence of a classified document proves that there was evidence of a classified document? How does this make sense? This is the red flag that everybody should be popping up with saying, wait a second, they were likely concealed and likely removed from a storage room. That means they didn't find them there, but they think they were there because they want to label them down as obstruction of a federal investigation. Another tick for them to say that Donald Trump needs to be indicted and that cannot run for president again. And therefore, the lack of documents there proves that there were documents there for them to go after him for obstructing a federal investigation. That's the level of desperation that we're at right now. Welcome to the federal government, desperate to have an outsider not come back into Washington, D.C., because the system wants itself to run functionally again like it used to prior to, you know, the crazy outsider like Donald Trump coming into office. Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Boy, what a disaster. What a disaster of an investigation right now. So let me get this straight. So we have the FBI that's posting pictures of the classified documents, apparently from the Trump office that was scattered all over the place in the Mar-a-Lago home that they were going through. And then they had the nice little number two for, you know, this is evidence number two. And then they say that there were likely classified documents that were likely hidden in a closet and then likely removed because Donald Trump's obstructing the federal investigation, meaning we don't have any evidence of it. We don't know if it was there, but we're assuming it was because it's not there. So the lack of evidence is proof of the evidence. So therefore, we can go after him for obstructing a federal investigation. Again, a way to try and tick him off and say that he cannot run for president any longer. I find that interesting. I find that quite intriguing on how they try to come to that conclusion. I'm telling you, though, and I don't say it because we need to be all fired up and in arms and we're under attack. What I am saying is that I am optimistic because... It's not working. Just like the January 6th committee, it's not working. These are the elites of the elites that are trying to keep the elites in power and try and keep the outsiders out of power and realize that if they demonize this guy, then things can get back to normal. However, 
What they don't understand is, you know, common folk to where we just see what's going on here, which is why Donald Trump went after the Mar-a-Lago issue. If you remember, he saw some of the biggest donations into his campaign for the first 24 hours after the Mar-a-Lago investigation. And according to Fox News, he continues to rake in the money, but now they're criticizing him as well because they say that he's bringing in the big money, but he's not helping out fellow Republicans in the midterm election by sharing the cash that's been donated to the campaign. Wait, what? Hold on here. Now, I'd like to remind you that as of right now, and I say this from the latest that I've seen what about a week or so ago, but Republicans are still up and are expected to win the House of Representatives back. We're also close on the Senate. I'm optimistic. I still think we're going to win the majority in the Senate as well. That's going to be a little bit tighter race. We'll get to that in a second as we see some candidates that are flailing and struggling desperately, like Dr. Oz, for example. Uh, But I still am optimistic in thinking we could take back the U.S. Senate and get things back on track. Why would Donald Trump waste money if they're already winning? I mean, if we're already winning, then why sink the money in? To make sure that, I mean, yeah, make sure they win. And if they start struggling, then pitch it out there a little bit. But we need to look at case by case, scenario by scenario, and uh, seat by seat because just throwing money out there is a waste. Why would we do that? If the Republicans are going to win the House, uh, the House of Representatives back, why right now at least spend the money on them unless we desperately need a certain seat to win in one area or another? I would say maybe Myra Flores down in Texas because that's going to be a hard fought one. And we would need to keep, if we keep that seat, that's been Democrat for 150 years. Amira Flores continues to win it, even when it gets even deeper blue with the redistricting that happened after the census, and she still wins it. Then that is a shakeup beyond belief for the Democrats right now. So, yes, yeah, sink some money into that race. Maybe sink some into some of the senatorial races across the nation. Maybe some of the gubernatorial races across the nation. Why the heck not? But for now, hold out and see what's happening. For example, Being from Kansas, where I'm at right now, with our flagship station, we have our governor's race with Derek Schmidt, who's our current attorney general, and he's running for governor against our very left-wing progressive Democrat governor right now. And she has spent millions upon millions of dollars. PACs have come in nationwide from D.C. for her, spending millions upon millions of dollars for her. He has spent very little money. And neither, neither of them really had a a primary challenger. But since, I don't know, May or June, she's been spending massive amounts of money on him trying to go after. Guess what? He's still up two to three points. Now, it's a little concerning for me. Would like to widen that margin a bit. Thanks, independent candidate that's running about two or three percent as well. That's a conservative that was a Republican in our state legislature, kind of sabotaging that one. Appreciate that very much. But he's still up two to three points. Hasn't spent a whole lot of money where she has spent millions upon millions. Why spend it if you're still up until you have to at the last minute to boost it up right at the end, ensure your uh, ensure your election and your campaign, and then go into November with a dominant victory? Use some strategy here. But now even Republicans in Fox News demonizing Trump for hoarding the money and not sharing it with Republicans when that just doesn't make any sense. Richard Lyons right around the corner when we come back here on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, you're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right you are. Welcome back into the program. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch to listen to the show. We love you to death and appreciate you very much. Multiple radio stations, TV, 
plus the live stream and podcast. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that 5-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. Want to remind you, being off the next couple of days, I want to remind you that our newsletter will come out next week. Don't know if it's going to be on Tuesday or at the end of next week to remind you again. But if you've not signed up for our newsletter... It's time for you to do so. What the hell's taking you so long, man? Go to HoosierReason.com, H-O-O-S-E-R, Reason.com. Sign up for the newsletter. When it pops up, say, do you want to become a Hoosierholic? You're like, uh, yes, I do. Uh, put your email in. We do not spam you and send you a whole bunch of emails. We do not ask you for any money. It's completely free. It's just a once-a-month email where you can see the latest of what's going on with the radio show, some of the guests we've had on, our hoorah feel-good stuff to get you set for the next month, our blog that we have, our op-ed, which usually goes into our ops lens, which does our live video feeds on their website app and their social media. Uh, you can you can read it there as well on their ops lens website. We have our civic holidays coming up for the next month, some cool stuff. Hopefully you enjoy it. We have new people that sign on every month. So if you have not done so yet, go to website at HoosierReason.com. Again, H-O-O-S-E-R Reason.com and sign up for our newsletter. Become the latest Hoosierholic. All right, I want to shift gears a little bit here. Let's get into our latest in what's trending. What's trending today? And I have to admit, I am a total dork when it comes to collecting books and reading political books and political philosophy. And this is going to be my new favorite book that I have. We've had him on the show before with his previous book, DNA for Democracy, which is volume one. This is volume two for the next part of it, Shadows of the Acropolis, as we talk about are we being properly represented with our government We've just talked about the investigation on Trump. We talked about the bureaucratic states. We talk about the expansion of the IRS. We talk about some of the bloated government spending and now the the bailing out, quote unquote, the forgiving of student loan debt. Are we being represented the proper way in Washington, D.C.? Excited to have on the program author of these books, Mr. Richard Lyons, back with us here. Richard, how are you, my friend? I'm fine. Uh, good to hear you, Andy. And there's an answer to that, and it's no. Yeah, it, it's yeah, we're not. I think that's the mindset that most people have right now. Just the common folk trying to work every day, trying to bring the 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 uh, the paycheck home and bringing dinner home to be able to have food on the table at night. I don't think like they feel they've been properly represented over the last few years. Um, actually, uh, what everything you just discussed are symptoms of a single disease. And the disease goes back 100 years and shadows of the Acropolis chronicles how our government has shifted from being one of representation to being one of administration uh, through the episodes of uh, Woodrow Wilson, FDR, uh, Lyndon Johnson, and of course, Barack Obama. Yeah. And so it's all been, it's all been a, a migration away from our constitution. Was it planned? We when, did, when did this start happening and why did it start happening and how did they really start this? Because like you said, the transition from representing us to now, it seems like Congress, who's supposed to have the power of the purse, that's supposed to legislate and create bills, they don't do that anymore. We pawn it off to a fourth branch of government that is the administrative state and all these bureaucratic agencies to where they write these things and slip it into bills to where we don't know what's in it, or they just give it to the exactly. president to sign an executive order, and then it's just done, and, and Congress is out of it half the time. Exactly right. This, this process was started by Woodrow Wilson in the 19-teens, and his philosophy, which, which came from ideal state German theory, uh, and, and it goes into having an efficient scientific administration, which he created. Uh, and what it does is centralize power and takes representation from 
localities, from states, and and from other branches of the U.S. government federally, and puts it in an administrative state. For example, during the Obama administration, over 20,000 rules were created by agencies which have the effects of laws. During the same period, legislation out of Congress numbered 423 laws, and most of them were just, you know, housekeeping laws, not real legislation. Wow. So that is that is how far we have shifted away from being represented. It is very concerning. I remember during the Trump administration, him mentioning that if he was going to sign a new bill or a new law or a new rule into legislation, that he was going to remove two of them from that. Did that help the process? And where are we compared to, let's say, Barack Obama's time to Donald Trump to now Joe, uh, Joe Biden? Well, this is a, I, I think it, it's very hard. The, there's only been two presidents. who have objected to this massive shift of power. And that was Ronald Reagan and uh, Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And you saw how Ronald Reagan was treated by the press and by the Democrats. And now you're seeing how Donald Trump is treated. They prefer not to have representative government. They prefer administrative government where they don't have to bother with the voter. So all all of the things that you're talking about every day, are symptoms of an administrative state that doesn't like to be disagreed with, that doesn't like candidates who disagree with their rules and don't want any rules taken away. So when Trump comes in and says, I'm going to rule out two rules for every law I create, that's a threat to their power system. The power system derives from lobbyists and administrators of agencies creating rules between themselves yeah. to, to empower companies that they represent. That is very true. Joe Biden said just a while ago, uh, talking about yielding our rights to the government. How could I be the president of the United States of America and not speak out against the violation of human rights? I told him that unlike other countries, including Russia, we're uniquely a product of an idea. You've heard me say this before again and again. I'm going to keep saying it. What's that idea? We don't derive our rights from the government. We possess them because we're born, period. And we yield them to a government. (laughs) So we have them, but then we just yield them. No, you don't. We just yield them. When did did that change? Because I thought he doesn't know what the idea is. Yeah, Uh, that's it. I mean, we had a bill of rights that said that we have these specific rights and it's guaranteed and the government cannot infringe upon them. And oh, by the way, everything not mentioned in the Constitution defers back to states and defers back to the people so we can have those rights because the government's not supposed to be there. It seems like we've changed that from that preservation of individual rights to now, well, the state has the rights and we just have to get some type of permission or a license or a grant in order to do that. I mean, that's kind of the transition we've seen, hasn't it? Well, it it goes back to John Locke's philosophy of the natural rights of man derived from God, not from government. When you go to Woodrow Wilson, he shifts that to Frederick Hegel's philosophy that the state is the ideal and individuals have to give up their rights to the state. Uh, so there was a great departure right then at Woodrow Wilson, and then uh, FDR was a, was a disciple of Wilson's, and so he really he, uh, he amplified what Wilson started. Sure. 
Sure. We're talking with Richard Lyons, author of the book Shadows of the Acropolis. It's volume two of the series after DNA for Democracy. Richard, in your opinion, what is the most powerful branch of government right now? There's been theories that really the Supreme Court, the judicial branch, has been the most powerful because we, for every issue, turn to the courts to make the decision for us, and those black-robed individuals make the decision whether it's constitutional or not constitutional. Do you think they are the most powerful, or do you think it is this fourth branch of the uh, bureaucratic agencies? I, I think it's the executive branch and the agencies. Hmm. But uh, the, the, the courts, again, since FDR, uh, since he threatened to pack the courts, the courts became amenable to a liberal point of view. They stopped defending the Constitution and started creating law. And from that period, they've been like a left flank to the executive branch. So uh, they work a bit in tandem, if you ask me. Yeah. With now the investigation on Trump, the FBI, the lack of investigation on the Hunter Biden laptop, all the corruption that people are just frustrated beyond belief about out of Washington, D.C., is this a symptom of what you're talking about here with the elites controlling it and with the power being so centralized that now they're not looking to represent us properly, but it's just about holding on to power. Is this a sign of that, do you think? I, I think it's all symptoms of the same disease. They they have so much power that they are now uh, exercising it in a manner that is, you know, careless, and they don't care. Yeah. They are acting outside the Constitution's Bill of Rights. And they are persecuting certain persons. This goes back, uh, Andy, to the Obama administration when the IRS was persecuting constitution. Um, I'm sorry, conservative associations. Uh, it goes to it goes to when Republicans nominate a, a judicial nominee for the Supreme Court. It goes to all these matters, and these are all just symptoms. There is a there is a collaboration between the Democratic Party and the administrative state. That is, uh, you know, it's all about concentration of power and not caring what other people think of that. Yeah, yeah, that is very true. And so when you have a when you have a Donald Trump come up and he's a threat to that to that, uh, you know, power of the few, uh, they attack. Yeah, they they now attack without without uh, there being any repercussion. So this is exactly what my book goes through in a narrative way uh, through episodes of history. And it comes down to Trump. Uh, the end of the book is the Trump episode when he was, you know, targeted by the CIA, the FBI, the DNI, and the IRS, I'm sure, and all of these different institutions within the administrative state said, we have to take this guy out. Now, I know that, you know, they all complain he has a bad personality. <laughs> but it isn't that that bothers them. It's his policies. Sure. That is very true. Uh, Richard, we got to take a hard break here. Can you stick over one more segment with us? You bet. Love to. Awesome. I love it. It's Richard Lyons. RichardLyons.com is the website. Go and check it out. Shadows of the Acropolis is the new book. I highly recommend to check this out because this explains everything that's going on right now in the battles that we're facing right now. When we come back, I want to talk about the future of it. Can we break the system? Can we get back to representation? Can we get back to a representative government and the way things were supposed to be? We'll do that as we wrap up today for a Wednesday midweek celebration here on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out today for a midweek celebration. 
Excited to have you with us here. Right now, we're rocking it with Richard Lyons, Shadows of the Acropolis. Go and check it out, richardlyons.com. You can also find it in Amazon and other places as well as you understand the changing of our politics, the evolution of how our government used to function versus where it's functioning now, where our rights came from versus where they come from now, and a heck of a lot more. Let's talk about moving forward here. Richard, are you optimistic about the future? And the way I say that is I think that once a government entity is created, like another branch or department or agency, it doesn't go away. Once they start spending money, it doesn't go away. We have a massive social program that is a mandatory part of the mandatory spending category of our federal budget, as opposed to the discretionary. All that is very disheartening to me. But are we starting to chip away after the latest, for example, Supreme Court decision saying that the Environmental Protection Agency does not have the right to just willy-nilly spend as much as they want on trillions upon trillions of dollars for their program without absolute consensual consent from Congress holding the power of the purse? Will those types of rulings start to hinder the agencies and the bureaucratic departments from doing just anything they want to with new bills and regulations? Oh, well, that is a signal of hope, I think, Andy. And and all this, again, started with um, FDR's invasion yeah. of the energy industry. With He invaded the utility industry and created the uh, Tennessee Valley Authority. Uh, it's just it's government encroachment. So when you want to talk about symptoms, the symptoms today are inflation. Uh, the symptoms today are, uh, you know, government regulation of fossil fuels that makes them almost impossible to to bring out of the ground. So you're you're talking about persons who say you work on an oil rig, right? Mm-hmm. Where do you go for a job now? Yeah. While at the same time that they're doing that, they're spending trillions of dollars on global warming, which is a theory that no one's proven. Yeah. Well, they just want you to leave the oil rig and just learn how to build solar panels. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they do. That shouldn't be the government's decision. That should be the free enterprise system yeah. that determines that. And and the more power, to answer your question, the more power that can be brought back to the states. So our system of federalism, which is how we were founded, yep. um, gets gets going again, rather than the centralization of power. The more people are represented at the state level, uh, the better for the whole country. Oh, absolutely. I mean, who wants to be like California? I know Kansas does not. Exactly. So why should we all be like California? No, but if, if California a, a wants to be big, system. yeah, if they want to be big, and if they want, I mean, they have the largest environmental uh, agency at a statewide level. If that's what they choose to do, all the power to them, they can waste all their tax money on it. But you're right. What yeah. they're doing should be different from another state. But centralizing that is the dangerous move. And I think many states are starting to balk at that, which is why after the 2020 election, we saw so many states try and take election laws back into their hands and pass election right. laws right. and do what they did exactly. because they realized, wait a second, the government has too much power at the federal level. Yes. No, it's it's just, it's massive. And it's uh, when they can, when they can just decide, okay, you know, with a signature from Biden, we're going to take $500 billion and, and just write it off, and that is going to come out of the taxpayers who actually work for a living. Yeah. Uh, this kind of a decision should never be made. It should be made through the, through, uh, the House of Representatives at, at the worst. Which is a another scary thought because right now they don't do their job holding the power of the purse. They don't actually approve or disapprove. I mean, when you have Nancy Pelosi as the Speaker of the House say that we need to pass a bill to see what's in it, then you know they didn't write the damn thing. <laughs> No, it's, it, I, I believe it's written by lobbyists, heads of agencies, and then it's you know given to the 
to to the House to pass. But e- even so, uh, so much is is done and concluded through the executive branch of the government, and and the shadows of the Acropolis shows how this came about, how that how the system grew and why and why we are where we are today. Yeah. In about 30 uh, seconds here, real quick, we're yeah. running short on time here, but as you talk sure. about this and, and bring up historical references, is this how other great societies throughout history, ancient Rome, all these other nations, is this how they fell by centralizing this power and forgetting who they were representing? Yeah. Well, take Rome as an example. Rome Rome uh, became imperial and, and uh, too much power in the Caesars when they when they took the Senate out of power. Yeah. The less power the Senate had, the more they became a dictatorship. And that's happening. It's happening now. It's happening right now. Come on, Joe Biden, yeah. right? We just need Joe Biden for that swift uh, <laughs> signing of the pen, and that's what it's all about. What a guy. Yeah, even if it's what in the middle guy. of the night and he thinks that he's signing it for the Easter Bunny. I mean, who knows what he's doing nowadays. <laughs> it is Richard Lyons. Well, Richard, he, he, hard-working Americans have to pay for that. Exactly. Got to pay for that guy. It's richardlyons.com. Go check it out. Shadows of the Acropolis. Richard, I love it. I appreciate it, my friend. we got to get you back on again real soon. Anytime, Andy. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. We'll do it again. Until then, have a great Labor Day weekend. I'm back at it on Tuesday. You'll hear some great programs the next couple of days. We'll see you on the radio.